This is Thursday, July 8th. I'm Robert Walker, and welcome to the Honest Report podcast. Today, we are very excited to have a guest speaker joining us today. Today, we have Shai DeLuca. Uh, Shai is based in Toronto. He is a pro-Israel advocate. He's uh, an uh, influencer on social media. Uh, he's a uh, founder and president of the award-winning design studio Shai DeLuca Interior Design, and he's a perhaps best known uh, as the design expert on Canada's number one lifestyle show, City Line. Um, he's also really an international uh, renowned speaker, and he's uh, making his way throughout the, uh, the lecture circuit uh, prior to COVID in person, and then uh, a lot over Zoom over the last year, and I'm sure very soon back uh, into in person. So welcome, Shai. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Well, it's good to have you. So let's start, uh, you know, Honest Reporting Canada, we talk a lot about uh, media bias and misinformation in the media, but today I wanted to talk to you about really your experiences uh, as an Israeli and as an outspoken advocate uh, talking about Israel in the media, but in the non-news media. It, tell us a little bit about how Israel has, in your experience, sort of manifested itself or how Israel has come up um, in your work and, uh, and some of the misinformation that you've seen. You know, I think it's interesting. I think um, uh, Bill Mayer made a really great uh, comment. He did uh, an interview, I think it was about a month ago, with um, one of the, you know, one of the most uh, progressive congressmen in uh, the Democratic Party, but is very pro-Israel, uh, Ricky Torres. And he said, you know, you cannot learn history or anything about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict from social media. You know, don't get your history lessons from Twitter, not from Instagram. And the reason I, I, I want to reiterate that is because it is so clear nowadays that, uh, you know, so many of these social justice warriors are really educating themselves from things that they're finding online that have no real kind of source to them. And based on that, they are, you know, propagating uh, anti-Semitic, uh, uh, you know, points, material. Uh, some of the things, I mean, are literally traditional anti-Semitism that you might have seen in the, you know, in the 30s or in the 40s in Europe. Um, so we're seeing it a lot now. We're seeing the demonization of Israel uh, through well-organized foundations, uh, whether in the U.S. or in Canada. And, you know, I see a lot of backing from people who wouldn't necessarily otherwise perhaps comment on a political, uh, you know, on, on the politics of the region, certainly not, uh, you know, politics in general. And I see them really fixating on the fact that, you know, they can comment here because it has to do with Israel and by this kind of idea that anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism, they feel as though, uh, you know, they're not being anti-Semitic, they're, they're, they're being legitimate in what they say. So we're seeing that now really explode on the left uh, in terms of politics. We've always seen it on the right. On the left, I think it's a little bit more dangerous because it masks itself as something different or something other than. Um, but it's 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 really kind of uh, taking its place on social media, and it's 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 a sad thing to see. So tell me, where do you really see this influence coming? Is this coming as a result, you know, over the last Gaza war that we had a couple months ago, we had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of talk about the uh, Hadid sisters, you know, the, uh, the Instagram influencers and the, the uh, impact that they've had really, really spreading a lot of uh, anti-Israel misinformation. Um, right. How much of, of what we're seeing is, at, is coming as a result of that? versus sort of just good old media bias that uh, people in, uh, in the mainstream media, not the news media, but mainstream sort of entertainment media, you know, right. who are also consumers are picking it up. In other words, are, are they picking it up more from the news media or are they picking it up from Instagram influencers? 
You know, I think with the Hadid sisters, it's kind of a catch-22 situation because, you know, their father uh, was born in uh, Nazareth. Uh, he was born during the British mandate. So when they propagate something, I feel like a lot of people look at it and say, well, you know, they must know what they're talking about because, you know, they have this background. Unfortunately, the things that they have been posting are, in fact, lies. Uh, you know, easy discredit, you know, it's easy to discredit them. You can look at the facts. You can find out that, you know, what they're saying is, of course, wrong. But the the scary thing is, is you see these people who, like you say, have so much influence, who have this, you know, kind of huge uh, platform, really propagating fallacy and the idea of especially in the u.s freedom of speech seems to be the one thing that keeps coming up uh you know when you when you bring up that's not correct you know historically this is what happened you should erase or you know maybe retweet something that you posted you'll hear a lot that this is my first amendment right i can say whatever i want and I think in Canada, we are a lot luckier um, in, in, in a way uh, than in the US because here freedom of speech, of course, you know, is, is a right, but it ends at hate speech and it ends at, uh, you know, demonization or racism of, you know, a certain people. Um, I, I hope. Uh, you know, there's, uh, I think it's this Sunday coming up, there's a, a national uh, march in Washington, you know, to support uh, uh, Jews and against anti-Semitism. To be perfectly honest, this is far too long in coming. It should have happened, you know, months ago. Um, but I think that there is this kind of awakening. I, I, I want to believe that there is this awakening on social media to really seeing um, the inability of, of accounts of, you know, social media platforms to stop the the influx of the misinformation but i think it's really important that you know people on social media like yourself like myself whether or not we we, we argue with the person who's posted something i think it's really important that we at least uh put the correct information out there and it might not be for the person that's posted it but it'll certainly be for other people who are on that thread and might read it right so you know with this i mean a lot of people have pointed out and said uh, listen we, we want to be able to get uh, the, the information about israel beyond the conflict out there right uh, don't just right. let the conflict define israel you know in your work of course on on, on city line and elsewhere uh, you've talked uh, you've talked a lot about design and arts yep. and culture uh, how much of a place does that have in 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 sort of reframing or telling a different side of israel um, particularly on social media uh, outside mm -hmm. of the conflict? You know, I, uh, back in 2013, had the very rare opportunity, and I there's not a day I go by that goes by that I'm not grateful for it, to actually take an entire camera crew with me back to Israel because I wanted to show on the show Israel through the eyes of a citizen, not through the eyes and lens of the lens of you know, the politics of it or the conflict, not CNN, not Fox, none of that. I wanted people to see the country as we are outside of that. And when we came back, uh, you know, it was a gamble. Um, I, I, I will preface by saying that I have been extremely lucky, you know, with the people that I work with in the media who have been extremely supportive of everything that I've been doing in terms of, you know, speaking out against anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. But in 2013, when this trip came up, it was very much met with not backlash, but worry from, you know, some of the people that I work with saying, you know, we have to be careful. It's such a sensitive thing. And the the whole point was me really not talking about anything that had to do with politics and just showing the country. And my then producer at that time said, listen, this is this is going to be a gamble. Are you willing to take the gamble? Because if we do get, you know, some tremendous backlash from this when you come back, you know, it's on you. And I took that gamble. 
And I knew I, I knew I wouldn't have to worry about it. And luckily, when we came back, there were some of the highest rated shows. And, you know, the, the amazing things that we heard back from people about, you know, I didn't know this about Israel because they only see it through the politics and through the political lens, because that's what's so uh, prevalent here in North America. Um, so, you know, I think it's really important that, you know, just organically and on the day to day, even those people who are, you know, activists against the misinformation, I think it's really important that we put the correct information and just, you know, things that have to do with the country, not necessarily with the conflict, you know, often, because I think that that gets lost in the narrative. Right. And so tell me a little bit about the responses, you know, when people are, you know, not not the camera crew, but, you know, when viewers and listeners were were experiencing that, what what was some of the feedback um, that you received about what they saw about Israel? You know, it was it still surprises me how many people really do believe that Israel is this kind of desert country where we all live in tents and you know ride on camels and i i i grew up thinking oh that's so funny because when you're younger you think it's funny but now hearing adults say oh my goodness i didn't realize that you know there was such that there were buildings or architecture and all that kind of stuff there um it really what it did for me was is it gave me a pause because as somebody who is in the media here in north america you know i am a target for a lot of the anti-israel anti you know semitic things but this kind of show and being able to bring it back to people and look at it through a different lens the feedback that i was getting was you know it's so great to see the other side of it, it we we know that you know the, the conflict is such a uh, an international it's, it's under an international microscope but it's nice to see just the regular day to day. You know, we didn't know this about the food culture. We didn't know this about the architecture. We didn't know this about, uh, you know, uh, um, we went to places that, you know, had these great kind of unifying uh, organizations between uh, Israelis and uh, uh, Palestinians. And people would write me and say, you know, we didn't know that these organizations exist. We were always taught that it's, you know, it's kind of one side of the thing. It's, it's very much pro-Israel. Uh, Palestinians don't really have much say in, you know, all these uh, decisions that happen with regards to them. And they were able to see without, uh, let's say, a news media pundit or commentator, they were able to see the country just as it was. Um, and, and, And that, for me, was amazing because the love that I got messages after that is something that I will always be grateful for. I mean, that, that's fantastic to be able to know that that kind of thing makes a difference. Moving back earlier and talking about, you know, the Hadid sisters, just as an example uh, right. of, of social media influencers. I mean, how much of a difference does this make encountering, uh, you know, the tens of millions of, uh, of fans uh, that some of these people uh, have on social media in the last war or six years ago, rather, we had uh, Rihanna, I think it was. Uh, right. who had um, perhaps a mistake, and I don't think it was Rihanna, but there was other uh, Hollywood celebrities on social media mm-hmm. who were posting anti-Israel misinformation. I mean, how do we counter, uh, you know, the people who have 50 million Instagram followers? You know, we, we can go there and tell wonderful stories and we can impact hundreds and, and thousands and tens of thousands, et cetera. But I mean, how do we possibly overcome this deluge of misinformation? Right. You know, I used to be the person that thought if I can just teach people, people's minds will change. And as I kind of went on this new speaking circuit and I, I, I was introduced to many people from across the political spectrum or across, you know, the board in general, I really begun to understand that as much as I want to change everybody to believe and see kind of things through the correct, truthful lens, we're not going to win every war. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I think, you know, on social media, and I am definitely, you know, uh, guilty of this, I think we get so wrapped up sometimes in these accounts that, 
you know, we'll just send, uh, you know, we'll troll us and just send some, you know, some ignorant comment. And we get so wrapped up in our feelings about it that we will spend. And like I say, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes hours, you know, kind of debating this person who has no real social media following or has no real influence. And I, 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 what I like to tell students now is, you know, choose your battles. Look at the people that you're talking with. Sometimes all you need to do is, you know, someone's going to put something out there and, and it's not incorrect. Uh, you know, someone who doesn't have a large media following, you might just want to answer with the facts and then leave it at that. And again, it's not for them. It's for people who might come onto that thread and read it. But when it comes to people who have such huge profiles, this, you know, is really going to be kind of an education thing. I mean, I think back to last summer, um, the situation with Nick Cannon, if you guys remember, uh, you know, he had made some some right. pretty anti-Semitic comments and he took himself by the bootstraps and, you know, he's done the work. So he's decided that, you know, he wanted to meet with organizations, he wanted to meet with rabbis, he wanted to talk to, you know, the Jewish community. And I think that he's really proof that something good can come out of these, you know, these kind of ignorant tweets that often these, uh, 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 you know, celebrities will put out. I think there's also this idea of in order for a celebrity to be considered woke or, you know, popular kind of with the younger generation, there are certain, I guess, expectations that people have with regards to certain issues in the world. And I will say this, what's interesting is that I never ever see, you know, any uh, celebrity really kind of harassed by so many people who follow them uh, with regards to politics if it's outside of Israel. You know, I don't see people uh, uh, tweeting Chinese celebrities who live in the U.S. about what's going on in China. I don't see things happening, you know, about Russians. I don't see things happening about all the other Iran, Saudi Arabia, whatever. Sure. We, we don't see them. And, you know, the, we, you and I both know why that reason is. When you put Jews on a different level than all the other people, you know, all the other nations in the world, that is anti-Semitism. It's just an easier way for people to swallow it. I'm not anti-Semitic, I'm anti-Zionist. So again, you're going to hope for the education. I think with the celebrities, it's really important that the more people call them out, the better, because I think for them, it's very important to kind of keep that... Um, the facade that they've built for themselves or kind of the personality that they've built for themselves. And oftentimes it will require something like the Canon has done. So, you know, we, we should definitely not be quiet, but we should also understand that, you know, choosing the battle is important. Right. And I think the Nick Cannon example is a great one because a lot of people will look at these social media influencers and say, they're completely unreachable. They're completely, you know, right. uh, their minds can't be changed. And yet uh, we can see that these people are accessible. Not not everybody. Uh, the example, by the way, I misspoke, wasn't Rihanna, it was uh, Selena Gomez. My my Hollywood, uh, uh, my Hollywood, uh, you know, repertoire isn't as knowledgeable, perhaps, as it can be. But uh, yeah, so so we're definitely right. seeing that, uh, that I think that even though you have a lot of Hollywood celebrities, and we saw that in the last couple months have spoken out, um, you know, fortunately, or in other uh, influencers against Israel, I think that the canon example right. and others show that uh, listen we shouldn't be able to give up uh, so easily that these people can be rich and, and certainly can be educated um, and really just final question for you shy which is and this is a question that we get a lot and people are always asking which is how do we understand you know the media you're involved in the media you're a media personality right. as well how can people look at how do people understand uh, the members of the media, are these people you know, biased against Israel? Are they misinformed? Are they open-minded? I mean, why, how do we come to understand the misinformation that we see in the media? You know, it's interesting. I think that um, 
we like to pretend that media is, you know, completely non-biased. It, you know, looks at look through the lens of fact, and that is it. I think in the last couple of months, what we saw with, uh, uh, you know, there was this kind of insurgence and then a, a reaction that happened at the CBC, that the CBC needed to issue a letter to its journalists saying that, you know, there's certain things about the conflict that shouldn't or, or you know, uh, can't be said. And people then started to, uh, you know, write back and say, you know, this is, this is censorship, this is, you know, whatever it is. Um, but I think the important thing that we're not seeing a lot of times now with, you know, news outlets, you know, kind of across the board, is that there seems to be this idea that the conflict should have some nuance. And I think when you talk about history or you talk about things that are happening factually, there's no nuance in that. There should be, these are the facts, here they are, you know, you are free to make your own, your own decision about it. I, I see a lot of time there's kind of this um, added, you know, whoever the media pundit is, there's this added kind of what they put in and package it as they're kind of in their viewpoint. And if it's not a opinion show and it's just kind of, you know, a, a news outlet, I don't think that should be happening. I think that, you know, that's, that should be left for somewhere else, whereas the news news should be told as it is. And I think that that's, that's an issue that, uh, you know, Israel has with, you know, the Western, you know, kind of Western news or, or, or news in general, um, is that it's very much about trying to bring readers to a conclusion rather than just giving them the facts and saying, you know, this is kind of what happened. Mm. Uh, so I think that that's, I think that that's something that we definitely need to work on. And that's why, you know, I really appreciate what you guys do because it's really finding those oftentimes lies, but, you know, sometimes just nuanced pieces saying, well, you know, that's not correct. These are the facts. Right. Right. No, I, I you raise an important point, which is that I think that most people are, are open-minded and, uh, uh, and open to new ideas. Um, sure. And that's really where we come in is that uh, certainly my experience and my view is that uh, most people are not necessarily uh, have an agenda and agenda driven, though some certainly that is the case, but uh, they need to sure. be, I think, educated and, and, uh, and shown that there is a different reality to perhaps something that they're seeing in the mainstream media. And many people 100%. will change their, uh, change their minds when presented with new facts. That's certainly what we can hope for as human beings anyway. Yeah, I, listen, I'm with you. And, and, you know, I think that, like I say, uh, you know, when, when people are thinking about it, I get asked all the time, you know, what can I do? How can I help? You know, how can I be more vocal? Again, it's, it's not so much about, you know, getting out there and answering every single person that sends you a message or every kind of, you know, uh, page that you're on in whatever social forums you're on. But, it, you know, it's very much about getting the facts out there. I think that we have for too long been kind of comfortable with the fact that, you know, our history is known throughout the world. So I think that a lot of us have felt that, you know, and I, I certainly have heard this here in Toronto, that, you know, it, I don't need to get involved. You know, people know, people know. But what we're seeing now, especially with the younger generations in terms of, A, not really having, for example, like Holocaust education or not enough education about, you know, these horrible atrocities that happened in history. And I look at these younger generations who say, yeah, you know, I don't think that was right. The numbers are off and this, and, and, and seeing these, ideas come about uh, is really a purpose for, you know, just more anti-Semitism. Because if you try to change the narrative, then, you know, you're obviously trying to change the outcome as well. And I think that, you know, if I want to leave anything with, with people who are listening is read who you're, you know, who these people are that you're answering. If you're on social media, give your kind of one historical thing back. If it's not an account that has a lot of followers, don't worry about it, move on choose your battles, choose your battles. At the end of the day, you know, Israel isn't going anywhere. Jews are not going anywhere. We have been through this, this type of, 
this type of anti-Semitism before. And, you know, that's the one consolation, I guess, I give to a lot of students who say to me oftentimes, you know, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to come to campus with a keep on and I'm afraid to, you know, speak out in, in certain, uh, you know, public spaces. And I say to them, this is all very new to us but this is not new to Jews. We have been through this and we get through it and we will go through it again and we will get through it. So, you know, continue doing the amazing work that you do and, and be strong. Wonderful, excellent. Well, well uh, wonderful way to end the, uh, the podcast today. Again, thank you so much to uh, Shai Tomasi for being our guest today. Um, and again, that's, that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our alerts, subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and if you like what you heard, please make a donation to support our continued efforts. You can do so at www.honestreporting.ca slash donate. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you again, Shai. My pleasure.